Welcome to London Riverside Church Podcast. We hope you have a great day. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Uh, Now before we get into God's Word today, I want to just give you an announcement. Uh, Ken Payne's funeral will be on Tuesday the 20th of December, okay? So I just want you to know that. Uh, And it's obviously going to be held here at 2.15. And so you're all very welcome uh, Tuesday the 20th of December. Uh, December. Now, we are working our way through a particular series at the moment, and it is called SML for reasons that will become apparently obvious if you weren't here last week. Now, I want to let you know something about uh, my relationship to ordering food. Okay? Now, living in the home that I live in, uh, it's not very often the need to order food in from Uber Eats, Deliveroo, other companies do exist, whichever your favorite is. I know some of you, it's the most used app on your phone, but living in my home, I am very blessed, and I I know that sounds like, well, maybe you want to order some food in to give somebody a break who's busy cooking. (laughs) So let's change the subject and get back to my (laughs) illustration. (laughs) So (laughs) I just walked walked myself straight into that one. So I, a year ago, I, I had uh, this, this app. I do have the apps on my phone, and it had a special offer that normally gets my attention, the big discount that gets my attention. So I thought to myself, okay, uh, we'll, we'll order in tonight. And I went through, and I'm looking at all the, a particular, a, a, a restaurant that will remain nameless, okay? Uh, and I'm looking at their, uh, their menu, I'm looking at the pictures, and I'm looking at the, kind of like the buffet-type mix of things that they offer, a special uh, deal, and, 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 and the pictures look amazing. You know when you look at something, you think, yes, oh, yes. And so it, you're really getting excited about it. I included the others in my family a little bit in the decision about what we're going to order, and uh, it's so easy just to press that button and your money's gone, isn't it? It's fantastic. And so I'm waiting with anticipation. And the great thing about these apps is they give you a little countdown of where your fella is on his moped, Right? can see how he's all oh, gone the wrong way, mate, back. You know, you track, you track it, who's track, who tracks? Who tracks, where yeah, come on, the rest of you are lying. You're all looking, and you're seeing where they are. I wouldn't go that way. <laughs> anyway, so maybe he's doing another delivery on the way. He's got a big box on the back of that thing. So anyway, eventually, this anticipation, I'm actually setting the table. I'm, I'm like setting the table like this is, this is going to be a, a great feast, and it's going to be so easy. Take a seat, love. This is, so, is going to be a wonderful, wonderful meal. The, the, the guy gets to the door and hands me what I felt were rather small bags. I'm thinking, you know, you're taking it, you're, oh, this isn't working out. And I took the bags, and I'm thinking, well, it must be really well packed, yeah? And, and so we bring them in, put them on the table. My son, my youngest son is at the table. He's already clocked on what's going wrong, okay? <laughs> so he's smiling, because I've made a big fuss of this. And we start to unpack the layers... And this thing's getting smaller and smaller. <laughs> so we set, set the food out. Some smart person in my family says, uh, where's yours? And, 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 and so we're looking at this, and, and I realized that all that anticipation, all that expectation for this wonderful moment was a little bit disappointing. It wasn't quite like the picture. You with me? It wasn't quite like the description. It wasn't quite what I was expecting. It went all a little. Now, of course, in life, you can get the reverse of that, can't you? You can not be expecting much, and it turns out to be awesome. I'm still waiting for the day 
when I press that button and that happens. But uh, the thing is this. Our scripture this month is in Luke 2, verse 11, where the angels announced to the shepherds, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And so last week, Martin masterfully shared with us how we need a Savior, S-M-L, a Savior. And today I want to talk about the fact that we have a Messiah. You see, at the time that Jesus was born, people were expecting, they were awaiting a Messiah. They were looking out for this particular person, and, and they had all different kinds of expectations of what it would be like. In fact, the word, the Hebrew word Messiah literally means the anointed one, the anointed one. So in the Old Testament, if you read there, people were anointed with oil to be a priest or a prophet or a king. There was an anointing, symbolically, literally an anointing took place, but also there was a sense in which God had anointed this person. God had chosen and called and empowered and equipped this person for the purpose, for their task. And so there was an expectation that a Messiah would arrive. A longing, and I don't mean a 20-minute waiting for my dinner to arrive longing. I'm talking like years, centuries, Words have been spoken, promises have been made, and people were trying to piece them together to expect when this Messiah, the anointed one, would actually arrive. And of course, in our New Testament, we read the word Christ. Christ is literally the Greek version of Messiah. Christ means the anointed one. Jesus is not Mr. Christ, okay? It's not his surname. It's his title. It's who he, it, it's, that's his calling. That, that's God, who God sent him to be the Messiah, to be the Christ. He came as the Christ. And so this coming king would be the true heir to King David's th- uh, throne. Uh, the, the, the Jewish uh, community had, had a golden age where King David had ruled, and they longed to return to that day where the land knew prosperity, where people worshipped at uh, uh, worship the one true God. And so the Messiah would arrive and he would establish God's kingdom. And he would bring judgment to the world. And he would rescue Israel from their enemies. And particularly at the time that Christ arrived, their enemies, so to speak, were those that were occupying their land. The, Roman, the Romans were occupying their land. They, 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 would, they weren't free to be their own people in their own place. And so there was an expectation and the thing is, the complication is, and if you realize this that you read the New Testament, when you read the Gospels, the stories of Jesus, you realize the complication, the, the, what's going on, because there are so many different expectations. Now, when I made that app, when I was on that app, some more expert people in the room would have said, oh, you don't want to order from there. You don't want to do that. You want to go here. You want to do that. Everybody had a different expectation of who the Messiah would be. And what he would actually accomplish. Believing for a priest. Believing for a king. Believing for a decisive military action to clear out the Romans. Someone that would maybe cleanse and repurpose the temple as a place of worship. And so all through the Gospels, if you realize some of the conversations that Jesus is in, and some of the arguments that are going on around him, it's all about the fact, is he really the Messiah? Is he really the anointed one? 
Is he really the chosen one to bring about the change that we have been hoping for? So in John 1 verse 41, Andrew meets and is called by Jesus and he runs to his brother, Simon Peter, and he says, we found the Messiah. We found the Messiah. We've cho- we found the one that's been spoken of. We found the one we've been waiting for. We found him. And then Jesus proclaims, of course, in Mark chapter 1, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. When you realize that they were awaiting for the Messiah, then you read the things that Jesus said, you realize how powerful his words were. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God has arrived. It's here, it's ready, it's now. And of course, when Jesus came back in from the wilderness in Luke chapter 4, he, he goes into the synagogue, he's handed the scroll uh, of Isaiah, and he reads these words. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has the anointed one is now letting them know that he's arrived. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. What's he anointed me? To proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Wow, some of those must have, you would think they'd be thinking to themselves, the Messiah's here. This is the one. This is the anointed one. And yet, what did they do? They threw him out of the synagogue, drove him out of the town, and wanted to put him off the cliff. Say, come on, guys. You've been been waiting for this for hundreds of years. And they tried to put him off the cliff because he wasn't fitting the picture that they had. Jesus does that a lot, you know. He doesn't fit the picture that we sometimes have of him. It It was no different then, and it's no different now. When you look a bit closer, you realize that he is the Messiah, but they had different expectations of what he would be like. And so I'd like to draw us our attention to, uh, to a passage in John's Gospel where, where uh, there is what is known as the Feast of Tabernacles. Basically, the, the Jewish people would have this feast, the annual feast uh, and a festival, and it, the Tabernacles is to remind them of the tents in the wilderness and how they journeyed and how God would be true to his promise. So like the Passover, it was like a symbol of great hope that, that the Messiah would come and that they would be liberated from Rome. And so Jesus was asked by his brothers, are you going to go to the festival? You know, it's the, if you're going to gain popularity, if you're going to get your message out there, you need to be there. Yeah, you need to set up shop at that feast. You need to get a good space where all the other vendors are because this is where you're going to be heard. This is where everybody's going. And Jesus says, no, I'm not going. The last time I went near Judea, they tried to kill me. I'm staying where I am. And so the brothers go on their own to the feast, to the festival, and then Jesus, whether he changed his mind or he just didn't tell them the whole story, but he went up on his own. He snuck in. He didn't want a grand arrival. And when he gets there, he starts to teach, and he starts to share the good news. And, and, he, and he actually claims to know God and be sent by God. And in John 7, verse 30, we catch up with the story. When he said that he knew God and he claimed to be sent by him. At this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Still many in the crowd believed in him. They said, when the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this man? You see the tension? Some could not stand him and others were thinking, maybe he is the Messiah. Maybe this really is him. He always split the opinion. 
And what I want us to look at this morning and, and consider for our own lives as well is what kind of Messiah Jesus really was. Why was he confusing them? Why were they getting confused? There's a well-known story in Mark's gospel where James and John, Jesus has just been saying about how he's going to go to the cross. Jesus has been sharing about how he's going to uh, uh, die and rise again, but they weren't quite catching all of that. They were concerned about when he establishes his kingdom as the Messiah. They wanted the best seats. Yeah, of course you're thinking about that. Everybody else says, hallelujah, this is awesome. No, 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 who's got the best seats? Because if Jesus is going to come into his kingdom, if he as the Messiah is going to rule, it would be awesome to get a seat each side of him in that kingdom. And so they asked Jesus. They say, Jesus, is this possible? And uh, we won't go into his reply. But what happens is the other disciples find out that these two are trying to set themselves up for a good seat in the kingdom. So you can imagine the kind of conversation that was going on after that, that loving, brotherly love that was shared uh, at mealtime that day. And so Jesus catches what's happening, Mark 10, verse 42. He called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. You see, Jesus was serving, not lording it. He wasn't lording it over people. And he goes on to say in these words, the Son of Man came to, came to serve and not to be served. So this Messiah was confusing some people because actually what he was doing is he was busy serving rather than gaining the honor. Rather than taking the honor and being served, he was looking to serve. His humility was much greater, had, was at the forefront rather than his status. And so we see here that as Jesus behaved as a servant king, as a Messiah, but yet he was behaving in a way that people were saying, okay, we, we like what he's saying, we hear what he's saying, but is it really possible that he's the Messiah who's going to establish a kingdom when he's busy serving rather than being served? And then we look elsewhere in Mark chapter 2, for example. Jesus calls Levi the tax collector. Now, this is a difficult thing here, right? Because Jesus is calling people, this Messiah, which people are not sure about, is calling people to follow him, a tax collector who's in league with the Romans who are occupying their land, who the Messiah should be dealing with. Are you getting the picture? He should be dealing with them, but rather he's inviting those that have uh, teamed up with them to be his followers. And so he invites uh, this tax Levi to follow him. And, and what happens is he decides, okay, well, let's go hang out at Levi's house. And of course, Levi's got a lot of friends. He's got a bit of money. And so everybody's having a party, and Jesus is in the middle of it with his disciples. Mark 2, verse 16, when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his, his disciples, why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? You see, the thing about Jesus is he's inclusive, not exclusive. Jesus is always looking for a way to include people, not to exclude them. He is a friend of sinners. That was his label. People called him that to taunt him, to tell him that he was doing things wrong, but he owned that label 
with no problem at all. But we say it's awesome, Jesus is a friend of sinners. When people called him that, they were trying to put him down because he wasn't acting like a Messiah. He wasn't acting like he should have been behaving. And hearing this, Jesus said to him, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I've come to call the righteous, not to call the righteous, but sinners. See, the wonderful thing is, and we remember this particularly as we're in this season of Christmas, is that in John 1 it says that the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus the Messiah. That balance of grace and truth can only be found, truly found, in Jesus. He came and he was a friend of sinners. He invited people that should have been the people he was dealing with as the Messiah. But he was full of grace and truth. I've told you this before, but if you've got a choice, give me the grace. You know, some people say, oh, just tell me like it is. Give me the truth. I'm not sure you want the truth from God. Really? Oh, yeah, just, 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 just say it like it is. No, I, I'm very happy for a big dose of grace with my truth. How about that? How about that, Lord Jesus? Thank you that you show me the truth through your grace. You treat me with grace, not as I deserve. Jesus exemplifies this, of course, when he met with the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. And they get into this conversation, and she ends up trying to wriggle out of it. And she says, well, basically, well, I know the Messiah's coming. And Jesus says, yeah, that's me. I'm here. And she's like, whoa, hold on. What's going on? It's my paraphrase, by the way, John chapter 4. See, people knew the Messiah's going to come. The Messiah's going to come. The Messiah's going to come. He's going to sort everything out when he comes. But when he arrived, it's like, whoa, hold on. We didn't realize. We didn't realize it looked like this. And so Jesus was busy as the Messiah drawing, as he says in John chapter 10, I have sheep that are not of this fold. That includes us, by the way. That includes most of us in this room, I think. Yeah? Because we spoke to the Jewish people, and he said, you know, my, feet, my sheep know my voice. But he says, but I've got sheep that are not of this fold. So as the Messiah, he wasn't just simply there to deal with Israel's, uh, the Jewish problems, or, or meet their needs. He actually established as the Messiah for the sh- to be shepherd of the world. And so Jesus was a servant king. He was a friend of sinners. And then, of course, if we go back to that story in the tabernacle, in the Feast of Tabernacles in John chapter 7, he, he decides at that point to take on the religious authorities. And, and, and he put, because in, in John chapter 5, he healed a man who was crippled and he told the man to take up his mat, his bed, he'd pick up his mattress basically and walk. And he did it on a Sabbath. You know, it was all good up until that point, you know? It's like, come back and get your bed tomorrow, because today you're not supposed to be carrying anything. He says, no, take out your bed and walk. And this caused a major problem. So he decides to take on the people that were annoyed. In John chapter 7, verse 23, Now if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances and judge correctly. Jesus is he's a little bit heated here. You see, Jesus was busy transforming, not policing people's lives. I want us to catch that, friends, because we fall into this real easy. Jesus was busy transforming, not policing people's lives. He was an agent of change. You see, he didn't come to enforce the law. He came to transform lives. You see, the law wasn't given to show off how good you are or how bad you are. The law was given to lead us to him. So even the cousin of Jesus, John the Baptist, Even they got to a stage where he was in prison 
and he began to doubt whether Jesus was the Messiah. And he sent messages to Jesus, and he said, are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Or should we expect another? See, remember, this is the same man that said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You know, I'm not worthy to untie, to tie his sandals, you know. And, then, and now he's in prison. And he got in prison, by the way, for telling the governor that he shouldn't have married his brother's wife. He was doing a little bit of policing, maybe unwisely. And uh, think about it. And so now he's wondering, oh, am I, is, this, is this really the, the Christ? Is this really the Messiah? And Jesus says these words, tell John what you see and hear. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. What did Jesus say earlier? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to... You see, people were struggling to recognize, even John the Baptist was struggling to see, this is the Messiah. This is the anointed one. And this is what he's about. He hasn't come to police the world. He's come to transform lives. So, on the last day of this festival of tabernacles, when on the last day the, the priests would have been carrying the water around the altar and pouring out the water and pouring out the wine and, and, and very symbolic action of what God would be, be a, a sacrifice to God, but also of what God would do in that temple place. Expectation of the change that God would bring. It says in John chapter 7, in verse 37, that on the last day, when the priests were busy pouring out this water, he stood up in a loud voice and said these words, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from them. And by this he meant the Spirit, who those who believed in him would later receive. For at that time the Spirit had not yet been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing these words, some of the people said, surely this man is a prophet. And others said, he is the Messiah. Jesus stands up as this water is being poured out everywhere and he says, whoever thirsts, come to me. Rivers of living water will flow from them. And this is referring to the promises of Scripture. Isaiah 55, Ezekiel 47, even if we look into Revelation 22, from out of the temple would flow rivers of water, would flow rivers to the nations. Out of the temple, Jesus says, well, is this going to be a new temple? Is this going to be like a geographical? Is this going to be a political change? No, this is new human beings. This is new human beings. So everybody was captured and what, how he's going to deal with the Romans. But Jesus said, no, 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 I'm, I'm bringing transformation. I'm changing people. Whoever comes to me and thirsts, there'll be rivers of water that will flow from them, the Holy Spirit. Now notice this, the anointed one, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, is the one who anoints us. The anointed one anoints us. The Messiah who was sent is now sending us. It's a beautiful thing. I want us to, when we read our Bibles again, we read that word Messiah, I want us to think afresh. What was Jesus up to? What was he accomplishing? You see, he stands up and he says that as the Messiah, there will be rivers that I will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Jesus says he will, there will be rivers of water flowing from our lives. The one who is anointed by God now anoints us to see these things happen. 
Now, there's one major problem with Jesus' claim to be the Messiah. And it's a huge one. And that is that he died on a cross. That wasn't in the script. Not as far as everybody else is concerned. You can't rule for eternity if you're dead on a cross. So although many people were convinced during his life when he went to the cross, it was like, oh no, well that all kind of went, well, that went wrong. That pretty much disqualifies him from being the one that we were expecting. So it wasn't until God raised him from the dead and vindicated him that all his previous messianic claims, people could believe, yes, he still is the Messiah. That's why the resurrection of Jesus is so important, friends. It's not just a nice idea for those that can really believe it. It is crucial. The whole thing doesn't work without it. That he went to the cross and he was raised again from the dead. He really is the Messiah. He really is the one who can reign forever. He really is the one that can establish his kingdom. And so he appears to the, to the, to the first disciples. He appears to them in Acts chapter 1. He's risen from the dead. And what did they ask him? Once they've kind of calmed down from being freaked out, yeah? Because we just, oh yeah, Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to them. It's like, whoa. <laughs> that would freak us out, right? I'm the only one. Three of us are, okay. So once they calmed down a little bit, it's like, it really is Jesus. What did they ask? What's the first thing they ask? Acts chapter, six, Acts chapter 1 verse 6. Will you restore the kingdom? So they're on this Messiah thing. They've got it. You're going to restore the kingdom? Are you going to deal with the Romans now? Are you going to establish your kingdom? And what does Jesus say? Let me worry about that. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. You will be a witness to what you've seen. You'll receive the Holy Spirit. The anointed one anoints us. And that's a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. And, and, and we can understand a little bit of the first followers that they were trying to understand how the Messiah would bring all the change. But actually what he does is he brings the change through us. He's busy spreading the kingdom, establishing the kingdom through us. So I'm going to, I'm, uh, uh, you've, you've listened hard today. I'll give you that, okay? You've listened hard. Thank you. I'll give you three practical things. That's four. I'll give you three practical things before we, before we head, okay? Three practical things here. He was a servant king, so here's the question for us. Are we serving or lording it? Are we serving or lording it? He was a servant Messiah, a servant king. Are we washing some feet? Like Jesus showed us to do. Sometimes you've got to get between the toes, right? Oh, don't go there. Sometimes it's not comfortable. I didn't say not comfortable for the person whose feet's being washed, not comfortable for you doing the, doing the washing. I don't. Are we serving or are we lording it? The Messiah was a friend of sinners. So are we inclusive or exclusive? And notice this, it wasn't that Jesus invited them to his party. He invited himself to their party. Right? How awkward is that? when you don't know what's going on. I mean, I've been some parties with some Christians and I don't know what's going on. I've had to join in with some dancing and I did not know what was going on. And that was a safe situation. 
I think we need to work on being inclusive. Because it's very easy to be exclusive. I think we need to allow God's grace when judgment rises up. If in doubt, add some more grace. The Messiah was a servant king. He was a friend of sinners. He was inclusive and not exclusive. And then we've just been saying that he was an agent of change. That is, in our lives, here's the big question. Are we transforming or policing? Yeah? Now, that's, 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 a, that's a real challenge. I don't know about you. Because is our voice one of what we're against or one of what we're for? You know when you say, oh, you Christians, you don't do that. Or you don't like this, you don't do that, you don't agree with that, you don't. <sighs> Instead of bringing transformation, we're just busy trying to police the world. Did God call us to police the world? Or did he call us to bring transformation? To bring the love of Christ. Anointed by the Holy Spirit to step into our workplace and see change happen. Anointed by the Holy Spirit to see reconciliation in our families. Anointed by the Holy Spirit to offer hope to the stranger that has no idea how they're going to make it through Christmas? Or are we just going to police them for their wrong decisions? I'll say ouch for you. Because <laughs> that's what comes, isn't it? That's what comes to our mind. We, we begin to police. We begin to judge. We begin to... Now, please don't misrepresent what I'm saying here. I'm very grateful for our police force and, and, and strength to them. Don't get me wrong with the words I'm using here. But you know what I mean when we try to police everyone else. And God has called us to bring transformation. We want to be known for what we're for, not what we're against, friends. So I believe the Holy Spirit can enable us. I believe the anointed one can anoint us this Christmas time. He can anoint us for what he's called us to be and do. I wonder if we could stand together. Band will join us on the stage for a moment. We're going to conclude in a song of worship. I'd like us to stand where we are. Because I wonder if we can have a fresh understanding of our Messiah today. You see, the interesting thing is, as Jesus walked this earth, people were misunderstanding him. He wasn't too freaked out. He didn't, he didn't think, oh no, I've got this all wrong. He just continued to do what he knew he was called to do. He just continued to be the one who was anointed. He continued to be the one that could pro proclaim good news, to heal the sick, to proclaim freedom to the captives. He just continued to do what the Messiah could do change came and I want to encourage us let's pray for a moment Father we thank you for your word we thank you for Jesus we thank you that there is no one like Jesus we thank you that he came as Messiah as the anointed one he truly is the Christ the anointed one and so Father God our prayer today as we go from this place, as we head into our week and all the activity and all that's planned, all that's not planned, Lord God, would you anoint us afresh, I pray. Lord God, we receive your spirit. We receive your spirit. Anoint us afresh. Help us to serve and not lord it over others. Help us to be inclusive and not exclusive. Lord God, would you use us to bring transformation?
In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. That's all from us here on our LRC podcast. If there's anything else you would like some more clarification on, or you would like to take the next steps in your journey, then why not head over to our next steps page at londonriversidechurch.com forward slash next steps. That's all from us here today and we hope you have an amazing week.